Unofficial preliminary results from Juno's 2022 municipal election are out. From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. For this update, the number of ballots casted were 4,834. Proposition 1 asked voters whether to approve a $35 million bond package for a new city hall at 450 Whittier Street. Those voting yes were 2,376, while those voting no were 2,415. Proposition 2 asked whether to approve $6.6 million in bonds to fund maintenance and improvements to Juno's trails and parks. 3,222 voted yes, while 1,583 voted no. Proposition 3 was the temporary 1% sales tax extension question. 3,394 voted yes, while 1,417 voted no. Proposition 4 asked Juno voters on whether to repeal the city's mandatory disclosure ordinance. Those voting yes were 2,404, while those voting no were 2,377. All the ballots that have been received through October 1st have undergone their initial review, and those that were eligible for counting have been scanned and included in the preliminary unofficial results, the city said. The city said they will continue to process the ballots cast at the two vote centers, dropped off in one of the two ballot drop boxes, and mailed via USPS. A secondary set of unofficial preliminary results will be posted online this Friday, and again on October 14th. The Canvas Review Board will meet on the 17th and again on the 19th to review and certify the election. The official final results will be posted online once the Canvas Review Board and election official certify the election on October 19th. The Alaska Department of Public Safety and their partners announced Tuesday that they have seized over 212 pounds of illegal narcotics as part of an enforcement initiative across the state this summer. According to a release, the May 1st through September 30th period shows that Alaska's law enforcement doubled seizures from 2021 and represents one of Alaska's highest periods for drug seizures. Over that period, the department said they seized over 4,800 grams of fentanyl. That's nearly two and a half million fatal doses of fentanyl. It's significant. To put that another way, that's enough fentanyl to kill each Alaskan three times over. Again, it's a significant seizure, and we should be proud of that. Fentanyl comes in many shapes and types, and for perspective, just two milligrams, uh, such a small amount, uh, can kill. We most commonly see fentanyl in counterfeit pills uh, mixed with other drugs, such as meth and heroin. That's commander of the Alaska State Troopers Bureau of Investigation, Captain Andy Gorn. He says given the amount of drugs they seized, there is a market in Alaska. Anything off the street likely has fentanyl in it. The risk just simply isn't worth it. You know, while we focused on fentanyl seizures this summer, uh, we seized a total of 212 pounds of illegal drugs statewide. And that number excludes any marijuana-related seizures. These seizures include, of course, deadly and addictive drugs such as heroin, methamphetamine, and cocaine. Of these seizures, 22,441 grams were heroin. I'll do the math for you, that's about 50 pounds. 22,865 grams were methamphetamine. That's just shy, that's just over 50 pounds. And 13,306 grams were cocaine. That's just under 30 pounds. Given these numbers, it's clear there's a market here in Alaska, just like the rest of America. 
to combat overdose deaths, the Department of Health began distributing the overdose rescue kit naloxone. Department of Health Commissioner Adam Crum spoke to the progress of that program. In the calendar year of 2022, so far we have 32,000 naloxone kits have been distributed statewide. It's October. We still have one more quarter to go. In all of 2021, 27,000 kits were distributed, and at that point in time, that was an annual record. We are working to get these tools out to community members so they know how to use them and how to use them the appropriate way. We'd like to point out that in Alaska, over 70% of opioid overdose deaths involve fentanyl that is either mixed with other illegal substances or is used independently. Drug seizures reported were made by the law enforcement agencies that make up the Alaska High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area, or HIDA, initiative. Their seizures are reported to the Alaska Department of Public Safety. A fall storm is expected to bring strong winds and areas of flooding to parts of western Alaska. A forecaster says communities hard hit by a storm that barreled into the region last month are not expected to feel the brunt of this system. Still, residents and communities battered by the remnants of Typhoon Murbach in September were monitoring the track of the new storm as recovery efforts in those areas continue. The National Weather Service has issued high wind warnings in effect beginning tomorrow for much of northwestern Alaska and for other parts of western Alaska. Coastal flood warnings were also issued in areas. The Alaska Department of Commerce, Community, and Economic Development has released the results from its recent survey of fuel realtors across 100 Alaskan communities. The summer 2022 report surveyed unleaded gasoline prices across 100 communities. The findings show that the average price for unleaded gasoline was $6.73 per gallon. The department said that's a 27% increase from the winter 2022 report findings. The latest findings are also 8% higher than the previously highest reported average of $6.24 per gallon in the summer of 2014. Commissioner Julie Sandy says in a release that the increase in fuel prices is a national concern, but says those increases will have a far greater impact on the daily needs of Alaskans living in the most rural areas of the state. U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan said that, despite not getting a bill through on the matter, natural resource permitting reform is still a priority of his. He spoke to that during an update to constituents. We didn't get a bill over the goal line, but right now I'm part of a small group of senators, bipartisan group of senators. We have to get efficient, timely, comprehensive permitting done so we can build roads and bridges and ports and all of the above energy projects in this country. Sullivan says the federal permitting system is being abused. Our broken permitting system, some of you know I've been saying this for years, is really undermining the huge potential of Alaska, huge potential of America. I'm going to keep fighting and working on this one. If you have ideas on it, please let my office know this is an issue. Might sound wonky, might sound boring. Permitting reform, it actually is critical, especially to our state because often we are a place that's ground zero for abuse of the federal permitting system. He highlighted two projects being impacted, the Willow and Ambler Road projects. That is where the federal government and groups that don't want any development in Alaska, the lower 48 radical environmental groups, have been trying to use the permitting system against what I think are really important 
projects that can help so many in our state, particularly so many in our, our native communities. So just this past week, um, Senator Murkowski and I wrote letters on Willow. That included uh, Congresswoman Peltola and on Ambler to senior federal government officials saying we need to move these projects forward for the benefit of Alaska, our rural communities, but for the benefit of America. Our country needs oil, gas, critical minerals, and we have those in huge abundance in our state. U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan. Though burn season is over in the Juneau Valley this year, CCFR is looking to unveil a new app next year that could help residents know quicker when a burn ban is in effect. Fire Marshal Dan Jagger explained that on Action Line. For the last couple of months, we've been working with the Western Fire Chiefs Association, and they have a uh, an application developer who is going to help us with a online uh, app where you can get on your smartphone or a computer and um, sign up for your burn permit, just like you would the normal process we've had over the years. But with this app, you'll have the ability to see weather conditions currently for that day, as well as a forecast for a few days out, uh, just to kind of see how it's going to be for your burn. Jagger said notifications about burn bans and why would be sent out via the app. There'll be some other features in there, such as uh, for our use, if we have a burn ban that we need to let people know about, we can send a message to all of the permit applicants through text messaging, email, um, that, hey, there's going to be a ban, and give some more details as to why instead of just being a ban and then hoping that word gets spread through whatever method. Um, we're hoping that will be more successful in us being able to not only advise people about burn bans, but just some, give them some precautionary heads up that there may be some issues with open burning and to use extra caution. Jagger said that for now they will be doing internal testing. We're hoping in the next couple of months to kind of do some beta testing within our department and just see how this app works out and by next May have it available for the public and we'll make sure that we get you know good coverage on what the app site is and, and how that all works and, and everything else but we're hoping to make it a more user-friendly process where um, instead of people having to go in person or sit in front of a computer they can do it right off their phone and be good to go from there. Fire Marshal Dan Jagger. Dawson Construction has been chosen to provide pre-construction work and services for the remodel of the assembly building in Juneau. The building was purchased by the Juneau Community Foundation and was gifted to the legislature. The aim is to have the building serve as legislative housing. Executive Director of the Legislative Affairs Agency, Jessica Geary, provided the update to the Legislative Council. One offer for this proposal it was from Dawson Construction. The PEC, which is the Proposal Evaluation Committee, consisted of myself, our Building and Facilities Manager, Sarah Lesh, and Senator Keel. And we all independently reviewed the proposal and agreed that it exceeded the requirements of the request for proposals. And it was a really good offer, and we all feel comfortable moving forward with awarding this pre-construction phase of the contract, which will enable us to take the current plans from 65% completion, which is where they're at now, to the full 100%, at which time the 
the contractor will come back with a cost for the construction project, at which point this project will be brought back before the committee for consideration. Sea Alaska cannot issue stock to descendants who are born before December 18, 1971, and are less than one quarter Alaska Native. That was the word from the corporation in late September. They said an amendment to the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act would need would be needed to authorize a new class of shares and another shareholder vote. Jaylene Kukesh is the Sea Alaska Vice President for Policy and Legal Affairs. This would require an amendment to ANCSA because descendant stock currently only applies to those who were born after December 18, 1971. So the amendment that was recently adopted to allow those born after that date who were less than a quarter only dealt with descendant stock. She said an amendment is unlikely as other regional corporations have not authorized descendant stock at all. What we were saying is ANCSA would have to be amended so that we could include as descendants those born before 1971, but there's only a handful of uh, 12 regions that have included descendants at all, and only two of us have allowed, or three of us have allowed it to those with less than one quarter blood quantum. And amending ANCSA for additional stock with a reduced blood quantum would be more likely possible if we had the support of all the regional corporations because then we'd have more incentive on behalf of the Alaska delegation to pursue an ASA amendment. But with so few that have even taken action on descendant stock, it's unlikely that we would have their support. But we're willing to have those conversations and see where that takes They said that for the foreseeable future, descendants born before December 18, 1971, whose blood quantum is less than one quarter, will need to rely on the gifting program and inheritance of original shares. A new study finds shift workers will be healthier if they limit when they eat. ABC's Lionel Moyes reports. It's not just what you eat, but when you eat that could have a major impact on your health if you're a shift worker. Researchers from the Salk Institute for Biological Studies in California looked at firefighters who worked 24-hour shifts. They found eating meals within a 10-hour period can reduce blood pressure and bad cholesterol. Previous research has shown shift work can disrupt your circadian rhythm, making workers more prone to heart disease, cancer, and type 2 diabetes. Lionel Moyes, ABC News. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.